Good morning. Prototype number four. I don't know how much longer we're going to go. I, I know we got at least one more week, if, if you guys are bear, can still bear with me. Um, you know, I can remember, um, I, I talked to you guys a little bit about this. I can remember before I had my glasses. Anybody remember that? What it was like before you had glasses? If you've got glasses and you have to put them on every day or contacts, whatever it might be, you might remember what it was like to not need them. Now, some of you might have, might not. Maybe you've needed them since you was a little kid. I don't know. I probably did. I just never went and got an eye, eye exam. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know? I told you the story when I met my wife and, and I decided to go to her eye doctor appointment with her. It's like, oh, I'll schedule one too because, you know, my insurance covers it. And the, the, did the eye exam and she looked at it and she goes, who drove up here again? Because neither one of you need to be driving. <laughs> I can remember, though, because there's this one time that I can remember what it was like before, I, before driving that I, I thought, man, this is really hard. I was driving one night, and I, I want to say I was going to Bowling Green. And it was, it was at night. And it was raining, you know, because it, that always makes it better, right? Um, it's, it's pouring the rain, and, and I don't really, I'm not familiar with the area. I mean, I, my goodness, I was, I was still pretty young. I hadn't been to Bowling Green Road a couple, few times. And, and so I'm looking for my exit, and this is so bad to admit. Like, I was driving, you know, and I, I probably didn't, couldn't actually read the exit sign until I got, let's say my car was right here, the exit sign would have been about where it coursed at right now. So like I had about, you know, half a second to make a decision to go <laughs> in the rain, going 65 miles an hour, you know. So it, it was, but there was, but the thing is, I was looking for the signs to know where I was going, right? You've Sometimes you've got to, when, you, when you're driving, you, you may not know, always know where you're going, and you need signs to kind of point out, like, hey, turn here. This is your exit. Well, the title of this sermon is The Signs. Can I tell you that there are some signs that we all have as a, as a church body that, that sort of show, like, hey, you guys are, are making it as the, the, the prototypical church that we've talked about, been te- talking about, this model church. And, and so today is, is not, today is going to be some encouragement, amen? But it's also going to be this ideal, too, that we, even we sung about this a little bit this morning, we're going to go deeper just so we can go higher. And I, th- I think that's where God always wants us to go. You go deeper so you go higher. Like I find victory on my knees. Amen? If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to, be, we're going to continue in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And again, we're going to go backwards. We're going to be in chapter 1. 
We'll read verses 1 through 4, if you can, if you're able and willing. Would you stand for the reading of the word, please? First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Everybody there say amen? amen. Awesome. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, for, for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence that's already been here this morning. So, Lord, I just ask that, Lord, I ask that, Lord, you don't, don't leave us here, God. Lord, take us farther, take us deeper. Lord, have your way this morning. We submit to you, and God, we just ask for your anointing. Lord, I ask for your anointing right now, Lord, every word that I speak. Father, let it be your words. God, every word that everybody hears, let it be your words. Lord, we, we ask right now, God, that anything the enemy may be trying to speak, God, the enemy would be rebuked. God, that would cancel out any, anything, any twisting of, of your word that would that, that, he would try to do to us right now any condemnation, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. We, we pray against that right now. Father, I pray for protection upon our ears and our hearts. Let this be a holy place filled with only your word, your thoughts, your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So what? right off the bat, we, we see some things that, that every church should really have, right? And, and now, can I tell you some good news? I, I've, I've seen, I've been here since May now. Yeah, it's a little bit after May. This church has this. One of the things the church should, should, should have is faithful ministers. Now, the Thessalonian church, just to bring the gospel itself, had, had right off the bat, you see three faith, faithful ministers, right? But can I tell you something? Ministers is way more than just what I do. Amen? I mean, come on. Who, who, we, we see it right now that they, they were the ministers that brought the gospel to the city. But let me ask you this. Who are the faithful ministers here? See, I talked to Nick about this this morning. He didn't know. I was like, hey, man, who's on the board here? Who's in leadership of any kind? He starts pointing out this person, this person, this person. Hey, can I tell you? Praise God for you, okay? Praise God you've got faithful ministers. Give your, I'm serious. Praise God. You've got faithful people that are willing to minister and to step up into leadership inside this church. But can I tell you something else? If you are not doing that, look around. Let me ask you something. Why not? If you have not done it in the past, have you considered it? What ministry does God have for you in your in your life? Because if you are in here, if you can go, 
God has something for you to do in his body. If you are already doing something, praise the Lord. And look, I want to say this too. If you are doing something in this, that you're doing what God wants you to do in here, and you're not training up your replacement, then you're not doing it right. That's a hard thing, but I could tell you, that's the first thing that I ever heard that sold me into into the United Church of Nazarene. I heard David Dorn say that. He said, hey, if you're not training up your replacement as leadership, you're doing it wrong. We are called to to be disciple makers. To be a disciple maker means to literally train you into the the things that I'm doing. To show you what I'm doing. So so one day, one day I can see you not only take over what I'm doing, but, but, but my ceiling become your floor. I want one day for my children to, to, to like, as high as I could get, as close as I get to God, I want that to be the place that they could begin. And it's the same thing we should always want, and not just for our children. Well, I could say that, actually. We should want it for our children because I look at, I see it, look, look at all the kids. I'm like, hey, you're my kid now, by the way. I've, I've, I've adopted you into my family, just so you know. We should want that for everybody. And it doesn't matter how old you are because you might not have been a, a Christian very long because your, your, real, your real age begins the moment that you become a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're 10 years old or if you're 70 years old. The moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior, that's when you really begin to grow up. And some of us have been a Christian for a very long time, but we've been a baby Christian for entirely too long. And we see that this prototypical church has some leaders, faithful ministers of the gospel, people that were willing to be persecuted, people that were willing to be beat, that were willing to be chased out of town, and all these things, and they continue to be faithful to them, and they continue to sacrifice, and continue to go after them, and they continue to do all of that just so these people could have the realization of the kingdom. And I have to ask you this morning, who are the ministers here? I hope you all say me. I'm the minister. You're the minister. Because you have a ministry impact on somebody. Every one of you do. Every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, has a ability, not just ability, an opportunity. It's a privilege. You have this privilege, this incredible chance to, to... to impact somebody for eternity. And some of you are already doing that so well. I mean, seriously, you are. You don't even know it. But this thought just hit me. The reality is this, so if you can impact them for the kingdom, you can also impact them for other things too. I've become so very aware of that with my own children. The way I react to things or don't react. The things I say when I'm, I'm mad or I'm frustrated or angry. When, 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 
when, when life circumstances seem to be coming against us and piling against us, the way I react, listen, don't you think for just one second that, that someone doesn't see that in you and they go, man, they, it's either they think one or two things, like they either kind of have it all together, which really isn't that. It's just that we're leaning so much on Jesus. We have such trust and faith in what God's doing in our lives that no matter what the enemy throws at us, we, okay, it's going to be all right. My wife's phrase all the time, hey, God's got this. Every church needs faithful ministers. Amen? Who's the faithful ministers? You are. Every one of you are. And, and the thing is, <laughs> every one of you have opportunities to do something in God's kingdom. Every one of you. Don't ever let anybody tell you you don't. Don't ever let anybody tell you that there's nothing that you can't do in the kingdom of God. I remember... Remember, I let somebody tell me that one time. And it sank in and became my truth. Learn from my lesson. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God doesn't have something for you, that you can't do something. If God's calling you to it, if God's convicting you to it, if God, listen, but it doesn't, ministry doesn't have to happen inside these four walls either, by the way. I praise, I, I pray, I'm serious, I pray that there is more ministry that happens outside of these walls than happens in, inside of them. Because when that happens, you all won't have enough room. It's not instantaneous. It's not that you're doing anything with strings attached. I listened to this song on the way up here this morning. Talked about how God loves us with no strings attached and I There's so much truth to this idea that but when you love people and you love them hard and you just sow into their life and you do ministry no matter what it looks like if you're doing it the whole system works itself out. You don't have to do anything other than just go and do. Number two, I want you to see this to church is a church of the people. When he wrote this letter, when Paul wrote this letter, he says to the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father. So when I drove up, when you drive up here, it's, I see, I don't see the, Thessalonian, the the Thessalonian church of the Nazarene. I see what? Come on, somebody help me out here. Summersville, yes. The church is for the church. Of the, it's, it's a church of the people. 
It's not for the church of, of, of just your, of the people you see next to you. It's for the church. Of, it's, and it's not just for this little county or, 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 this, or this little city, this little area right here. But it is. It's the church for the people. It really is. He, he, when he's writing this letter, he says, hey, listen, this is, I, I, I want you to know this isn't just to the church. This is to the Thessalonian people. I, I need you to see this, that he, he writes it to the Thessalonians, but then he says this, he says, it's established in God. And I told you, here's some encouragement. Listen, without a doubt, without a doubt, Take some comfort in this. We've talked about the history of this church. It's been around long enough to know that I know that this church was established in God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Who all believes that? Amen. Amen. This church was established in God. What, what, what does that tell you? If God is for you, At least you all know it. Come on, sound it with some excitement this time. If God is for you, yes, if God's for you, no, no, there's no, nobody could be against you. And that should excite you because you know what that means? That means your, your, your imagination could just run wild. You could just think, man, I could go out and do this because God's called me to do it. And I don't have to worry about it because guess what? If God's for us. If we're establishing God, if this ministry is establishing God, if all I really am concerned about is, is glorifying God's kingdom, that it doesn't really matter what we do because it's going to be good because the enemy can't come against you. Nobody else can come against you because if it's established in God, no one can come against you. And man, that's, that's good news. That's really good news. I mean, we, we, listen, I get it. I get why we do it. But we think everything out way too much. <laughs> we have all the little details figured out. Well, I don't know if we can do this because we just don't seem like it's going to be physically possible. Can I tell you, we, we don't serve just a physical God. We serve a supernatural God. Amen. And God wants to do some supernatural things here in Summersville Church of Nazarene. I believe that wholeheartedly. And if God is for us, if we establish things in God, if no matter what it's like, we just have to, we just have to establish it in God. Because if it's, if it's in God, nothing can attack here. But at the moment that we start taking what, it, what God wants us to do, and we begin taking it out here, next thing you know, we end up way over here, and we're just wide open out in this open field waiting for us to be attacked, for us to be taken down, for everything to fail. And, and then suddenly we're not leaning on God's protection and his power anymore, and we're over here, and we're falling down, and we're trying to do everything that we, can do, that we can't do, thinking that we can do it. And we're wondering why it happens, and suddenly we find ourselves in despair and, 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 and no hope, and we're frustrated. Our faith, is, our faith is broken, and next thing you know, we're just like, well, let's just go back to doing things we've, well, we've always done it because, well, that way didn't work out very well. I'll just, I'm going to sit down for a while. No! 
If we establish it in God and we just keep it right there where, where God's at and we're doing whatever God wants us to do, then nothing can come against us. Nothing is going to come against you. And you're going to have power by, the, by God's Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to go and do whatever he wants you to do with boldness. And, and listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you just believe that with all your heart, no matter whatever you, whatever you see, God's working it out and it's going to work. God, be established in God. Lord Jesus, I actually wrote in my notes that wasn't much of a preaching point, and I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was not in my notes at all. I love y'all. Jesus, thank you. Uh, number four, we obviously cannot ever forget this. The church is always in need of God's um, uh, supreme gifts, which are just grace and peace. I mean, this is all right here in, in, in verse 1. He, and he just, he says, grace and peace to you, or grace to you and peace. We've talked about this so much. Like grace is, grace is something we, we, we miss the ideal of grace sometimes because we've been, Christians for so long we forget that how much grace that we needed to get to where we are amen I've done that but we, we, we have to extend the kind of grace that freely received freely given moving on um, verse 2 reads like this is we, we give thanks to God Always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. A, a, a prototypical church, one, one of the signs that you see that, that it's, doing, it's doing the things that it's supposed to do is that church will stir prayer. It will stir two things, actually. It will stir thanks, and it will stir prayer. First, I want you to notice who's giving thanks. Here, it's a faithful minister's. If you're, if you're not currently in a ministry, but you're volunteering to work in that ministry, I can promise you everyone that's leading that ministry will give thanks for you. <laughs> every, every one of them. <laughs> they will be so thankful to have all these people willing to step up and, and, and get invested in the things that, that God's called them to do. Because you don't always have to lead a ministry to be part of a ministry. Amen. And so if, you, if you're not just leading the ministry and you want to be part of that ministry, if, I promise you, if you step up and be like, man, I, I just want to help do whatever it is God's called you to do. How can I do that? Those ministers will be thankful for you. I told you, y'all want to scare Jamie to death. It, it, right after this service, text him, say, hey, I want to do this. Every one of you, <laughs> all at once. Y'all just start texting him right away. Scare him to death. He'll be like, <laughs> you know, exciting, but it was scary a little bit too. If you want to be a better church, also too, you've got to be thankful for your church and be thankful for those who are already leading it. But the other thing you've got to do is you have to pray for them. 
You got to pray for the church. You got to pray for the lost. You got to pray for the ministry. You got to pray for your pastor. You got to pray for 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 the leaders, for those who that you have have given the confidence that you have voted in to, to, to make business decisions for, for your teachers, for, for the people that, that aren't teaching yet, for, for those who have been called in the ministry and haven't started walking in, the, in those shoes yet. Because there's some, I believe wholeheartedly, that, that God's put a calling on their life and they just still aren't quite walking in those shoes yet. As I, as I talked about last week, we, you have to pray and be willing to let go and let someone else step in, too. Sidlow Baxter says this. He says, men may spur our appeals. They may reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. When a church becomes a praying church, you see, it becomes less thoughtful about how to get to heaven, but becomes more thoughtful about how to bring heaven to earth. We need to learn how to want how to find ourselves in the secret place more often than what we do. I don't want to go to the secret place looking for power. I don't want to go to the secret place looking for, man, I, God, I, I, if, if I spend this time with you, I, I hope I get this out of it. God, if I go to the secret place and then, then when I give an altar call, there's going to be a bunch of people respond, right? No, no. You, you go to the secret place just to be in the secret place. Because when you find yourselves in the presence of God, and, and that becomes your heart's desire, then God will take care of everything else. Again, remember, established in God. You establish yourself in God. You spend time in prayer. You spend time crying out for, for, for those who, who need you, for those who love you. Uh, I, read this, I read this other quote in prayer, and it was so powerful. I'm going to read it. There is no power like that of a prevailing prayer of Abraham pleading for Sodom, Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night, Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with remorse and grief, Jesus in sweat and blood. Add to this list from the records of the church your personal observation and experience, and always there is this cost of passion Unto blood, such prayer prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men and women of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. Samuel Chadwick said that. It brings power, fire, and rain, and life, and it brings God. I've been trying to wake up early every single morning, earlier than I have to, just to have a little bit of time just to sit with, with Jesus. I 
I want my fire, I want my life to have have that fire in it. I want to constantly be throwing the wood into the fire. Never want to let my lamp never want to let my lamp run out of oil. Because when you find yourself there, God will use you. God's already using you in your prayer time, by the way, too. Praying for people is the essence of Christianity. We go to the secret place knowing that we have an audience with a master of the universe. I mean, my goodness, what a privilege. I have to set a meeting with my boss just to talk to him sometimes. But when I want to talk to the master of the universe, I just stop for just a minute and he's right there. We have this connection and relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I'm telling you, like this church, a sign of this, prototyp this prototypical church is that it would stir prayer and it stirs thankfulness. And when you are a praying church, heaven to earth you know I find it you know I have found let me say this you know what I have found I have found it's impossible to believe that God can entirely sanctify me until I actually spend time with God how about that one we're a tribe that believes in entire sanctification but you cannot believe that God can entirely sanctify you. I was talking to a young man last night. Message me out of the blue on Instagram is one of my son's friends. And he asked me, he said, hey, what kind of church you preach at? So I told him, a Nazarene church. And he said, well, we go to this church, and it's a non-denominational church. He said, so what do you guys believe? And I said, well, I said, I said, we we're like most Christians. We, we all sort of believe the same core principles. You know, I said, but I said, we sort of have a distinction about us that, that most, most denominations don't really preach on a whole lot, whole lot. We are a holiness denomination. We believe in entire sanctification. I began to explain to him what entire sanctification was. He said, man, this is Gen Z. He said, you know what I got to deal with now? There's no way I could not go a day without sinning. I said, well, if you tell Jesus that. Because really what you've done is you've just taken what he said is possible and said it's impossible. Jesus is the one who told us to be holy for he's holy, right? I mean, we're, if it's his word, I'm not going to call God a liar, are you? But I, I can't believe that. I really couldn't believe it. I'm being honest with you. I couldn't believe it until I learned to spend time with God. And you don't spend time with God just by reading his word. You've got to spend time and just sitting in prayer with God. And that's not just about you telling him what your ideals are for the day either. 
What if I told you this morning that God has this desire to speak to your heart, but sometimes we're just talking so much we can't ever hear him? Talking to a preacher here, I'm, I love to talk. My. Y'all didn't hear her say amen, but I'll go ahead and tell you. That's exactly what she just said. I'm going to start putting a secret mic right in front of her so every time she says something, I know. Everybody else hears it too. God knows. Lord, sanctify me right now. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, dear. I'm so blessed to have my amazing wife, really am. Verse 3 reads like this. is constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord and Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and, and, and Father. I tell you, last one, sign of church, it will arouse people to want to work and step up and do the work of the kingdom. And, and, and here's how. It does it because of faith, stirred up by love, and stirred up by hope. And my prayer this morning is like, we have this great hope with this great hope of Jesus Christ and what he said and what he promises and that he's coming back and, and everything else. We have all these great promises, amen? And we have to be willing to step up and just, and just re, and live in those promises and, and live in that love and, and, and live in this ideal that, that because of our faith, because of our hope, that, and, and because of the love of God, that we are going to step up and we're going to work. Doing God's work is not always easy, but it's always rewarding. Always rewarding. I believe wholeheartedly when you are Doing the work of God, you will get more fulfillment doing it than you will any other thing on this earth. I believe that with all my heart. My secular job, I actually like it. I know I'm blessed to say that. Not everybody goes to work liking what they do. I like my secular job. But I love this. Why? Because no matter, no matter what I do that I know that God's like God has designed me to do, like I, I, I know without a doubt, doing the kind of work I do, I've got a mind for it. God created me that way, right? But that's not my ultimate gifting. Like this is like something that God sort of designed me to be able to do. And I could easily find myself just stuck in secular work, and, but 
the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in, in all of my life is this right here. The most rewarding thing I've ever done in all my life is, is, is working for God and his kingdom. And my heart hurts for anyone that hasn't figured that out yet. My heart hurts for those who who might have been trying to do something good for God, but really they end up doing it in their own power so much that they're just it's not rewarding to them at all. And to be this this church that we're talking about to, to, to go forward, to, you, you've got to want to do this for God. You've got to be establishing God and you've got to and know that your reward isn't now. It's this crown that you're going to get on your on, on a jewel that, that on and, and jewels you'll get on a crown. And listen, I can promise you the crown that you get will be nothing when you finally get to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait to take my crown and throw it at his feet. So today's challenge is this. How can you be better ministers? I know so many of you already are. It's like I said when we first started, we want to go deeper just so we can go higher.